could be distracting tonight. But Father, I pray that you just bless the time. Help us, Lord, as we open up your word. We love you. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. All right, we're there in Matthew chapter 13. And I promised you on Sunday that we're going to go quick tonight. And uh, that little announcement kind of took ate up some of my time. So we'll see how well we can do. But I want you to look at verse 24. Remember last week we started Matthew 13. And we talked about the parable of the sower. Tonight we're going to talk about the parable of the tares. It's not a long, uh, it's not a long parable. But I do want you to see a couple of things from it. And we'll go through it as quickly as we can. I don't think I'm going to get you out of here as early as I said last uh, on Sunday. But I'm going to do my best. All right. If you look at Matthew 13, look at verse 24. Alright? Bible says, Another parable put he forth unto them. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man. Now, the, par- the, the parable of the tares and the parable of the sower are two parables that Jesus actually later on goes on and explains for us the parable himself. Some of the other parables, we have to kind of study and figure out what he's trying to say. These ones, he gives us the, the, the meanings of them. So, if you look down at verse number 37, he begins to explain to us what these things uh, are. So, he says, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sow good seed. If you look at verse 37, the Bible says, He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. Now, the Son of Man was a title that the Lord Jesus Christ had. So basically, the man that is sowing good seed in this parable is the Son of Man, is Jesus Christ. Uh, go back to verse 24, look what it says. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed. You see the, the good seed there? Okay, according to verse 38, the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The children of the kingdom. Uh, if you look at if you want to look at verse 38, it says, The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. So basically the good seed are believers. So we got the man sowing the seed, that's the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ. You have the good seed, which is the children of the kingdom. Um, Look at verse 24. He sowed the good seed, notice what it says, in his field. According to verse 38, his field is the world. Now you need to, that's probably the key part of this this parable that you need to understand. A lot of people miss... Uh, use this parable and they take it out of context because they try to apply it to something that it should not be applied to. If you look at verse 24, it says he sowed good seed in his field. If you go down to verse number 38, Matthew 13, 38, the Bible very clearly says the field is the world. You see that? The field is the world. So you got the good man, Jesus Christ, sowing good seed, the children of the kingdom, in his field, the world. Look at verse 25. But while men slept his enemy. You see that? His enemy. According to verse 39, if you look down at verse 39, the Bible says, the enemy that sowed them is the devil. You see that? So Jesus is telling us what all these different things are. The enemy is the devil. Look at verse 25. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares. Do you see that? Tares. Now the tares, according to verse 38, are the children of the wicked one. Let's read verse 38. The field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. Uh, look at verse 30. And we're going to skip a little bit of it, and we're going to go back to it here in a minute, but I just want you to see what all these different things are. Verse 30. He says, let both grow together until the harvest. You see that? Until the harvest. According to verse 39, the harvest is the end of the world. Verse 39 says, the enemy has sold them as the devil, and the harvest is the end of the world. If you go back to verse 30, it says, let them both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, alright, the reapers, according to verse 39, the reapers are the angels. Look at verse 39 again. And the enemy has sold them as the devil, and the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. 
angels. So I want you to understand that's the parable, that's what all these different things mean. So you've got the, the, the good man or the man that sowed good seed is the son of man, Jesus Christ. The good seed are the children of the field, the... I'm sorry, the children of the kingdom. The field is the world. The enemy is the devil. He, the enemy sowed tares, which are the children of the wicked one. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. Now, the lesson in this parable is pretty basic. And, and there's really three lessons that we can get from this parable. And I want you to see them just very quickly tonight. Number one, this parable teaches us, and we learn, we learn three different things. The first thing we learn is about the enemy. We learn about the enemy. And you know, it's good from time to time to be reminded that we are in a spiritual warfare with an actual enemy. The Bible says, look at verse 25 again. It says, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Now go to 1 Peter real quickly. We've seen this verse before, but I want you to see it again. 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. It's good for us to see it, First Peter 5, 8. And actually, this is, you know, we're, we're preaching through the parable of tares, because last week we were in the parable of the sower. We were in, in, you know, we're just in Matthew 13 right now. We'll spend next week dealing with some of the other parables, and then we'll go to Matthew 14. Uh, this wasn't, you know, but this is actually a perfect lesson for us to be looking at tonight, actually, which is kind of interesting. But if you look at First Peter chapter 5, look at verse 8, okay? First Peter 5, 8, very well-known passage. The Bible says this, be sober, be, notice this word, vigilant. Vigilant. Vigilant means you're awake. You ever heard of someone saying they're they're keeping vigil? Vigilant is you're paying attention. Vigilant means you're, you're looking. He says be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the word adversary means your enemy, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You need to understand that we are, sometimes we get in this idea that Christianity is just a game, we're just kind of playing church, it's just kind of something we do. We go to church, we go to Bible study, we say we're a Christian, but you need to understand, we're in an actual battle with an actual enemy that actually wants to destroy you. And it's not its not a joke, it's not, it's not just you know a figment of your imagination, it's an actual battle. Now here's what's interesting, Peter said, be sober, and he said, be vigilant, he said, be awake, he said, be watching, because the way you fight against Satan, or one of the ways you fight against Satan, is you're watching for him, why? Because your adversary, the devil, walking about, seeking whom he made about. Now if you go back to Matthew 13, notice what these people weren't doing, verse 25. They were not sober, and they were not vigilant, because the Bible says, But while men slept, you see that? His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and went his way. It's interesting, I would ask that you pray for us. The month of June has been a rough, uh, a rough um, month, or not a rough month, but it's been a busy month. There's four weeks in June, and three out of the four weeks, my wife and I have been... Out of town, you know, and uh, and uh, you know we're leaving town tonight. I'm going to go preach at the uh, Facebook Word family camping trip there, and we'll be back. And I'm really, I'm just kind of waiting for this week to be over so we can get back to our normal schedules. But for the last month, you know, we've been one week at home pretty much, and three weeks, uh, three separate weeks, we've we've been out of town. And you know what I, you know what's what's interesting because the first time we've ever done this, we've never had so many so much traveling. It's not something normal for us. But you know what I found that's interesting, and and my wife can attest to this. All three weeks that we've been gone this month. Either right before we left or while we were gone. Something happened. 
here like at church. Like right now, you know, someone's trying to spread rumors and, and send emails and literally trying to cause a church split. And here's what I've noticed. When Satan thinks you're distracted, that's when he attacks. When Satan thinks you're not paying attention, when he's like, oh, they're getting ready to go on their little trip and they're getting ready, they're packing up and they're, you know, when he thinks you're asleep, that's when he attacks. And the Bible says, but while men slept, his enemies, so he said, well, what do I do to keep the enemy? Stay awake, stay vigilant, stay sober, keep paying attention, watch for the adversary, go look, it's good, go on your road trips, go on your vacations, do what you gotta do, but stay on top of things, why? Because while men slept, the enemy came and so tense. So we learn about the enemy. But number two, I'd like you to see, we don't only learn about the enemy, we also learn about his strategy. We learn about his strategy. Notice what he says. Verse 25. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed. Now notice, the good man was sowing good seed in his field. But while his servants were asleep, the Bible says his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Now, oftentimes you, you might read this and think, oh, tares are just weeds. And, and they are weeds, but it's more than just weeds. This is a certain type of weed. Let me read for you a little bit about this tear. Tares are an injurious weed resembling wheat when young. While growing, they look just like wheat. You can't tell them apart. So if you got wheat growing and you got tares growing, you cannot. They look exactly the same. Wheat is golden, but tares show their true color only as they ripen. When tares are full grown, the ears are long and the grains are almost black. Each grain must be removed before grinding wheat or the grain is bitter and poisonous. So the idea here is that there will be counterfeiting. And what Jesus is trying to teach us here is that the enemy sowed these tares and it looks just like wheat. And it's not till the harvest comes in that you can tell the difference. And what he's trying to teach us is that there is going to be counterfeit Christianity in the world. We need to beware of the tares. We need to beware of the counterfeits. And, and you know, that's one of the reasons. Now, look at verse 26. Just to prove what I read to you is true. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then, notice this, appeared the tares also. So they couldn't tell which one was wheat. They, they thought it was all wheat. But when it sprung up, when the fruit came, when it was time to bring in the harvest, then appeared the tares also. So they were able to see the tares as they matured. And you guys say this, we need to beware of the counterfeit Christianity. And today, we need to beware of the ecumenical movement. Now, maybe you, you maybe you're not familiar with the word the ecumenical movement, but today there is a movement to unite all Christ, all so-called Christians. I get stuff in the mail all the time. Go have this prayer breakfast with all these pastors. Go do this golf thing with all these pastors. Can you bring your church to this thing where all the churches are going to get together and we're going to feed the homeless or we're going to go listen to Joyce Myers or we're going to go do this or we're going to go do that. And let me tell you something. When you start actually going soul winning and talking to some of these people and talking about the doctrine, you're going to find out that half of these churches that say that they're Christian are not saved. They all believe they can lose their salvation. They all believe you got to quit drinking to get saved. They all believe you got to repent to your sins to be saved. And this is what Jesus is warning us about. He says, look, there are tares out there. They look like wheat. You might confuse them for wheat. But he said, at harvest time, it will be clear that they are never wheat. And we need to be careful. Look, I'm, I, don't, I have no need to go have a prayer breakfast with a Catholic priest. I'm not a Catholic. I'm not a Pentecostal. 
Pentecostals believe you can lose your salvation. I don't believe you can lose your salvation because if you can lose your salvation, then it's based on you, isn't it? Well, as long as I don't put in whatever sin you'd like to put in. We, I, I don't agree. You say, why are you those people? I'm not their enemy. I love them. I want to pray for them. But Jesus is teaching us that there are people. Go to, go to Matthew chapter 7. Let me just prove it to you even further. Matthew chapter 7. You've you got to understand this. And, 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 and maturity comes for a Christian when they grasp this idea. And, and young Christians battle with this. And I understand it. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. Young Christians, they, they, they don't understand this. But you, when you begin to mature, you begin to realize most so-called Christians are not saved. Jesus himself taught it. Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse 22. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. Many. You see the word many? That means a lot. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy... Do you see the word thy there? Who are they talking to? It's Jesus Christ. Are the, are the letters not in red? He said, many will say to me... Okay, Jesus, this is Jesus talking. He said, many will say to me in that day, the, the day he's referring to is the day of judgment. He said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in thy name? So Jesus said this, many people are going to come to me one day and say, well, we prophesied, we preach in your name, Jesus. And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. There are going to be televangelists. They're going to say, but Jesus, I cast out devils in your name. I did wonderful works in your name. I prophesied in your name. But notice what Jesus says, verse 23. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew thee. Never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And notice, it's not that I used to know you, and then you lost your salvation. He said, I never knew you. He said, you were never saved. You were always a terror. You were always a child of the devil. You were never actually a Christian. And you just need to understand, most so-called Christianity, no, I'm not going down the street to the Bible study down the street with the ecumenical movement. I'm not going to the conference with the other, you know, I don't mind fellowshipping with other independent Baptists who preach the same word that we preach, who preach the same gospel that we preach. But Paul said, if they preach another gospel, let them be accursed. And that's where we stand. We're not in, and by the way, the ecumenical movement of today and the uniting of all these churches of today is just going to lead to the one world religion of the Antichrist. Right. You, you want to know who's, who's interested in uniting the, the, the religions of today? It's not Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ on purpose established local indigenous churches. Jesus Christ on purpose mandated that Paul and those different men would start local independent churches. Because guess what? If at Verity Baptist Church, someone was able to walk in and bring in false doctrine and we became an apostate church, guess what? The gospel could continue through many other churches that are preaching the gospel. But if we all unite together in one religion, and then and then that, you know, united religion of the world becomes apostate, then the whole thing's lost. There's one person who's interested in bringing a one world religion, and it's the Antichrist. Because he will head the one world religion. So no, I'm not for You say, are you against these people? I'm not against them at all. Do you hate these people? I don't hate them at all. I love them. I want to pray for them. If they're not saved, I want to give them saved. If and, there's, and there's people in these churches that are saved. But you need to understand this. Jesus is teaching us, beware of the tares. Beware of the counterfeits. Beware of the fakes. Realize that, that many people aren't saved. Look at, look at Matthew, you're there in Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 7. Um, look at verse 13, right before verse 22. Look at verse 13. Look, notice what Jesus said. 
You talk to people and they act like everybody in the world is saved. Oh, everybody's saved. Everybody I talk to, just because they say the name of God, they're saved. Matthew 7.13 says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. The word straight means narrow. It's not talking about straight like a ruler. It's like, you see the word is S-T-R-A-I-T. It's talking about narrow. He says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is a gate, and broad is a way that leadeth to destruction. Notice, and many there be which go in thereat. Verse 14, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life. And notice this, few there be that find it. You need to understand, there are few people who are saved. Most people are going to hell. That's what Jesus said. And Jesus said, many religious people are going to go to hell. Many religious people are going to say, well, we prophesied in your name, and in that name did wonderful works, and in that name cast out devils. And he said, I never even knew you. He said, I don't even know who you are. You're not part of my family. Go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We'll go back to Matthew. 1 John chapter 4. Look at verse 1. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1. The Bible says this. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1. It says, Beloved, notice, believe not every spirit. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Why? Because many false prophets are gone into the world. Look, that everybody knocks your door with a Bible in their hand, don't just believe them. Oh, they're, they're, you know, they said the name Jesus. The Bible says, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit for the day of God. And by the way, you shouldn't just believe everything that I say. You go home, and you read the Bible, and you study it out on your own, and you make sure that what we're preaching here is actually what the Bible says. Now look, if the Bible says it, and it goes against everything you've ever been taught, and everything your grandmother told you, and everything your dad told you, if the Bible says it, then you need to do what the Bible says. But if we're teaching something here that the Bible doesn't say, then by all means, find a church that is. And that's why at Verity Baptist Church, we painstakingly try to prove everything we preach out of the Bible, so you can see it in its context. We learn, number one, about the enemy. We learn, number two, about his strategy. Number three, we learn about our priority. We learn about our priority. Go, go back to Matthew 13. Look at verse 27. Matthew 13, verse 27. The Bible says, So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, does not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Well, thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, nay. He said, no. Lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Now here's what's interesting. A lot of people take this verse out of context because a lot of people say this. They'll say, they'll say, you know, in the church, you know, what I did tonight with our little business meeting. Don't you like our business meetings? We don't talk about money. We don't talk about anything. Nobody takes notes. But, you know, we would say, like, that's totally unscriptural. And actually, people would say, it's totally unscriptural for, for a church to deal with, with false doctrine in that way. And they'll point at this parable. Jesus said, just let them grow up together. Okay, well, here's the problem. The parable of tares is not talking about the church. The field is the world, right? That's not the church. In the world, there will always be false religion. In the world, there will always be false doctrine. Now, the Bible teaches us that we are to keep the, pure, the church pure. 
and the church clean. Let me just give you a few verses on that. Go to Matthew 13. And this kind of, you know, actually helps to serve a little bit as to the reason we, you know, I, I couldn't have planned this, I couldn't have planned this type of uh, sermon illustration if I tried, right? So that's the Holy Spirit. Matthew 13, look at verse 27. Matthew 13, verse 27. Let me just show you. It is our job to keep the church pure and holy. Matthew 13, verse 27. Look what he says. Matthew 13, 27. So then, I'm sorry, uh, good night, that's not where I want. Matthew 18, Matthew 18, good night, I was looking at the wrong thing. Matthew 18, verse 15, Matthew 18, verse 15. This, this parable, Jesus is not saying, look, in the church, just let, you know, let the tares grow up with the weed and it, it'll, be God, it'll be fine, you know, after the harvest, I'll work it out. He's... He's not talking about the church, okay? He's talking about the field, which he told us is the world. Now, in Matthew 18, Jesus is literally talking about the church, okay? So let's look at what he says about the church. Matthew 18, 15. Look what it says. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee. He's talking about, the word trespass is talking about a sin. So if your brother sins against you, does something wrong against you, step one, go and talk behind his back to the whole church. Is that what it says? Go, and you tell all the people in the church that you just think that, who does he think he is? Is that what it says? <laughs> Moreover, if thy brother should transpose against thee, here's step one. Go and tell him his fault between thee and him, here's the key word, alone. Now see, that takes maturity. Because look, it's easy to talk behind somebody's back. I just don't think they should have done it that way. It takes character and discipline and courage to go to your brother, to his face, alone, without telling anybody, and say, hey, listen, I don't know that I really agree with this. But that's what Jesus had to do. Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Verse 16. But if he will not hear thee, so he says, I don't care. Here's step two. Then take with thee one or two more. That in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So he said, if he doesn't, if he just blows you off, then you go to find two or three more. You go find the pastor. You go find somebody that's uh, a spiritual person, a mature person, and you go. And here's the purpose of them coming with you to establish every word, so that this person can't just go around saying that you said something you never said. To keep things above board. Look at verse 17. And if you shall neglect to hear them, here's step three. Tell it unto the church. The church is the congregation. So, if you've already gone to them by yourself and said, Hey, listen, I need you to stop sending emails. I've got to get people to, you know, go to your house or something for church. I'm going to keep doing it. And then you, you establish it with more than one individual so that it's accounted for. And they still don't listen. Then here's what you do. You go before the church and you say, here's the problem that we have with so-and-so. Here's the issue. They're, here's where they've trespassed against us. They don't want to fix it. Okay, here's, here's step four. Look at, verse, well, look at verse 17. If you shall neglect to hear them, step three, tell it unto the church. But if you neglect to hear the church, step four, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. He says, when, when you discipline someone in church, when you say, hey, so-and-so is in fornication, we preach against it, they don't want to get it right in their life, I've gone to them, they don't want to get it right in life, I took brother so-and-so with me, and brother so-and-so with me, and they still don't want to get it right, they're just flaunting it, they just don't care, then you go before the church, and you kick them out of the church, this is biblical, to kick people out of the church, and you treat them like you would treat any publican, any heathen out in the world, you don't treat them like a brother anymore. Now look, what I'm teaching right now is not taught in church today. In church today, you're taught, you can just come to church and, you know, be doing drugs and be doing alcohol and be fornicating and be passing out pornography and no big deal. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that it's our job to keep the church pure. 
it my job to go around and try to fix all the problems in the world? No. But is it our job to keep the church clean and pure and the doctrine right? Now look, like we said already, you can come and you say, well, I don't believe half the things you guys preach. You can come here and not believe it and we're going to love you and we're going to pray for you and we don't care. But the moment you start trying to cause division and problems, guess what? We're going to go through these steps. And there's an actual church here that actually follows what Jesus taught. Go to Romans 16. You already saw it, but let's look at it again. Romans 16. Here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. This parable is not about the church. Well, you shouldn't be just just let Jesus deal with it. No, Jesus said he gave us very, very specific steps how you deal with problems at church. Romans sixteen seventeen says, "Now I beseech you, brethren, we saw it. Mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. Why and avoid them. And by the way, that's why very Baptist Church, I don't we don't mind calling out names from time to time." Because how do you mark someone if you, the purpose of marking someone is to identify? And by the way, Paul and all these guys in the Bible, you, if you're reading the New Testament, they're constantly calling out names. They're saying, so and so sinned against me, so and so, you know, stabbed me in the back, so and so. It's a very biblical thing to keep the church clean, to keep the church pure. Alright? Go back to Matthew 13. It is our job to keep the church clear. But I want you to notice the priority. Matthew 13, 27. So the servant of the householder came and said unto them, Sirs, is not thou so good to see in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And by, by the way, the servants are the angels. Or, or the reapers. Remember the reapers are the angels? Notice how hard working these guys are. Verse 8. He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto them, Will thou then that we go and gather them up? And these guys are asking to go into a field and pluck up every single tear. I mean, the, the, the angels in heaven are saying, God, will you let us just go deal with this? <laughs> But notice, notice his response, verse 29, because you can understand this. He says, but he said, nay. He said, no. He said, don't go tear, don't root up all the tares. Lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Now here's what you need to understand. At Verity Baptist Church, we are not to allow false doctrine to creep into our church. People come here, they can come here, you can come here all you want. But the moment you start trying to promote false doctrine, we're going to deal with it. As soon as you start trying to, you know, talk behind people's back. and I mean, I remember, I remember we had, I had one lady talking behind the back of another lady. She tried to do it with me. I said, listen to me, if you're going to start gossiping, I'm not interested. Okay. And by the way, that's how you should act with people that gossip. And then, and then the lady she was gossiping about comes to me trying to gossip about this lady. And I did the exact same thing. Listen, if you're going to gossip about it, this lady quits, this lady quits. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> you know? It's like, you know, people, people don't, people just want all this drama. I'm here to tell you, at Verity Baptist Church, we're focused on one thing, the harvest, and we're not interested in drama. We're not interested in, in getting in all these little cat fights with each other. I don't really care what your problem is, or who you don't like, or what they did, or they took your parking spot, or they sat in your chair. It doesn't matter. We're interested in one thing, the harvest. And that's what Jesus said. He said, look, our job is not to tear and to bring up the tears. Our job is not to bring up, uh, you know, and look, my job is not, look, you need to understand this. We call out, we call out people by name if they're bringing in doctrine. And we call out big names too, like Joyce Myers, like Billy Graham. Because these people that have these huge ministries that are trying to influence your thinking, we need to try to guard you against their false doctrine as well. But look, I'm not, it's not my job to go to the Baptist church down the street that preaches repent of their sins and try to get their pastor fired. Do you understand that? If they're not messing with us, hey, let them grow up with the tares. Let Jesus deal with it at the harvest. 
That's what he's teaching us. He's saying the most important thing is the harvest. What I'm most interested in, he said, he said, I want you to know about the enemy. And I want you to understand his strategy. But I also want you to understand your priority. And he says, your priority is the harvest. It's to take care of the harvest. It's to go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. He says, I want you to be interested in the harvest. Go to Matthew 9. Look at verse 36. We're done, We're done right here. Matthew 9, 36. Someone said it this way. Let God's, let Jesus' last commandment be our first priority. His last commandment was to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Matthew 9, 36 says this. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then say at the end of his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. But the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of harvest that he will set forth laborers into his harvest. That's our priority. I'm not interested, I'm not, look, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not interested in calling out every false preacher and all these things. If they're going to mess with us, we're going to mess with them. They want to fight with us, they'll have a fight on their hands. But that's not our priority. Our priority is the harvest. It's getting people saved. So here's what we learned from this parable. We learned about the enemy. He's real. He'll wait till you're distracted. He'll wait till you're asleep. That's when he's going to attack. We learned about his strategy. He's, he's trying to, he, look, he's trying to get as many people in the kingdom of hell as much as we're trying to get them in the kingdom of heaven. The sad thing is that usually we're taking breaks and we're asleep while he's working away. And our priority should be the harvest. We'll protect the church when we need to protect the church. But our priority is and always will be the harvest of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church. Lord, thank you for this parable. And Father, I pray that you would help us to continue, Lord, to, number one, put you first, Lord, to be scriptural, to be biblical. Lord, never to have a bad attitude or be upset with people. We're not upset with anybody, but we're not going to let the Word of God go by the wayside either. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us. I pray that you'd bless us. Thank you for these dear people that would come to church on a Wednesday night. I pray that they would all uh, receive the sermon well, Lord. If any of them have any questions about anything that happened tonight, I pray that they would ask and, and seek and... and, and And Lord, I pray that you would just allow the spirit of our church to be united. And we don't all agree 100% on everything. Nobody does. But help us to all be on the same page. Help us to not be in darkness. Help us to love the light, the Lord Jesus Christ. We love you and your precious name, I pray. Amen.